Hi, I'm Danny Pellegrino from the Everything Iconic podcast. And who doesn't love a classic burger from McDonald's? That's right. McDonald's classic burgers are hotter, juicier, and tastier than ever. The patties are cooked to juicy perfection. I love the cheese perfectly melted on top. I love the Big Mac that has special sauce in every bite. I love the pillowy soft golden bun. So in the words of the Hamburglar, rubble, rubble. which I believe means grab McDonald's best burgers ever before Hamburglar does at a McDonald's near you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. I'm proud to offer premium wireless for just $15 a month. And I'm proud that we have thousands of five-star reviews from customers like Dan D in New York who writes, I am satisfied customer. How can this only be 15 bucks. He wrote it in all caps. I needed you to feel it like he feels it. I hope I did that justice, Dan. And I hope that you try Mint too at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com. Welcome to episode 51 of the April podcast. On this episode, we have Joey Bradford from The Used. Oh, Never thought we'd say that, didn't we? I know, oh. man. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Bringing in the good stuff and we have a good chatteroo. We discuss all things to do with the latest album, the artwork, the recording process, some of the awesome collaborations they had during the recording of that album. We talk about his um, SLT tones. I'm going to clarify... I fucked up on this because when we asked the question about that, I said STL tones. Am I, I saying? Think, I think so. S, is it SLT? Fuck, I've got an Instagram right, right now. Whilst we're on this, because I'm going to nip in the bud, I am very sorry to the lovely fellas at STL tones. STL, STL not SLT, STL. SLT rolls off the tongue better, doesn't it? That's because in my head I say SLT. <laughs> Either way, we talk all about his uh, custom pack that he's got with them and the process how that works. Uh, we talk pet peeves. We talk what was his favourite scary movie and loads more. Yeah, be sure to check the used out on all socials as usual. Uh, the latest album on Spotify. Um, and Joey, Joey himself, obviously, with him being a studio um, producer, go check out all his recent projects as well. Um, get onto our socials, Discord, don't forget you can join in, ask us any questions on there. And uh, yeah, just enjoy the episode. And before you go, if you haven't already seen, we've released a brand new series under our um, AFL podcast roof uh, called Civil Screen Unseen with our lovely friend Ryan, who's going to be discussing all things to do with film. Make sure you go and check that out. Obviously, as you can see, there's only two of us now. There's only two mats. Uh, keep posted for new updates to do with Pearson's new program that we'll be releasing at some further date. Otherwise than that, enjoy our episode with Joey. It is a good chat and a good listen. Otherwise than that, we'll see you soon. All right, Joey, how are we doing? We're good, man. Beautiful day here in Southern California. Blue skies. Good things. Joe, I think it's been the absolute opposite in the UK because in the same space of five days, we've had 
20 degrees warmth, <laughs> nice and sunny. Two days later, it's been snowing. I've seen that. Yeah, brutal. Like, <laughs> doesn't make sense <laughs> at all. Yeah, it went from like 75 to 80 last week. So that was kind of rough for a second there. <laughs> that's really nice to even nicer if you are curious. That's what that is. <laughs> uh, that's that's always good that's better than what we're experiencing at the minute at the moment it's just really gloomy would you say i feel well, you i feel you uk we're also yeah, yeah. <laughs> spoiled down here i'm super spoiled i love it so what have, you, what have you been up to recently anyway uh i've been producing tons and tons of stuff so i have a i have a studio here that i've run for a long time we built a new version of it finished just when the pandemic started so um, this second, this version 2.0 of the studio, we started in about August and I haven't had, but a week off since then. So just making records, making songs, whatever we can do. So I've been busy. It's been nice, but I'm ready to play some shows again. I think that's the same for everyone, isn't it? Like you have to, you just yeah. have that itch, yeah. like you're missing something like yeah, a void it, that can't be filled. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but everyone's feeling it. So I'm trying not to, you know, dwell on it. And we've been able to make a lot of music. I think that's what's cool is everyone has been making music, writing music, making records that are going to be coming out over the next couple of years. So as we all know, that's all we've been talking about, right? There's going to be just yeah. a flood music coming out. It's going to be cool. I'm like a giant tidal wave of new music eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just the the stuff that we've, made in here i'm like that's already too much for me to listen to in a year i don't know what everyone else is <laughs> yeah <laughs> so where about seeing base at the current point um i'm in san diego in california oh nice. great okay mm-hmm. is that typically where you are or is this just for a temporary yeah, time been being here forever this is born and raised in san diego um the rest of the boys obviously from from utah originally and now everyone's yeah. all over the world and uh, I guess the band is based in LA. That's where we meet up when we exist, but everyone's all over the place, but I've been in San Diego forever. Amazing. Amazing. So have you been recording like other bands now then during, during lockdown, you've given, you've got people coming in and recording with yourselves. And like you said, obviously before we recorded, uh, you've, you've had that collaboration with people online as well. What's that been like? Yeah, it's been cool. I mean, uh, we've had we've had a few bands in here and produced full records and, you know, from the beginning, writing the songs and, and recording and doing the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, finished another record a couple of days ago with a, a band from here called Sweet Tooth that are super awesome. And um, but, yeah, I've been doing a lot of co-writes as well. So so, you know, writing songs with other bands, collaborating with other songwriters. You know, the other day I had. Uh, we did a Zoom co-write, um, me and my my buddy Hiram Hernandez. He's in Arizona. We're working with the band. Otherwise, one of the guys is in Vegas. One of the guys is in New York. And we're able to put together a song that I think is really cool that we would never be able to get in the same room ever. You know, four different yeah. states. Yeah. Such a pain in the ass and so expensive. So a lot of stuff like that where it's just like, who's available? Who wants to jump on? You know, one guy gets on the sticks and and records and uses a session, and it's been crazy. It's been really cool. Would you say that you've had to adapt much in terms of like doing it online in comparison to doing it in person? Do you think there's much that you've had yeah, to change yeah. and around? Yeah, the first couple months of everyone doing it, kind of the end of last year, it was everyone was just like, "This is garbage. This sucks. This isn't even worth it. <laughs> Let's fail, whatever." You know, and as time has gone on and it's kind of like, well, this is it, or we don't really get an opportunity to work together. Um, 
it's it's become really cool. There was a learning curve, but also the technology has exploded in the past few months alone. So, um, you know, or at least the knowledge of technology that's been out there. So something like audio movers, we've been using a ton. So like I'll have my session open in Pro Tools in my studio and another guy will have his session open in his studio and I can basically hear what's coming through his speakers on my rig. So we know exactly what's going on. We have like the computer here that we're zooming, we're recording on each other's rigs, sending files back and forth. It's just like, it's a bit of a headache and it takes obviously more time, but it works and it's really cool. That's insane. That's 2021 for you, isn't it? No, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never, and I'm not like a techie guy too. So it's taken me some time to get into all this stuff and, but I love it. It's fun. Yeah, we're smoothly transitioning that then. Um, it's worth mentioning you've obviously got your signature pack with SLT tones. I do, I do. You do, and it sounds awesome. But do, would you mind talking us through the process of how that came to be and what goes into the process of making those? Yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially what I did to make my preset pack is I took all of these amps. Let's see if we can get a good shot. So I have my whole oh. way, all sorts of synergy yeah. and all sorts of stuff. There's Mesa's Orange, Bad Cat, a bunch of Bad Cat. Um, yeah, so I basically took all my amps, everything that I have, every single channel, everything that I ever use and like, and we ran it into three different cabs. We used different preamps, different mics, like the most insane amount of recording. But what I did is basically, I, you know, you record about a, a minute or so of you playing on each channel. And then right. somehow... You know, I print these <laughs> files out and I send the waves of, off to the wizards and the scientists at STL and they take each recorded sound that I love and, and I have labeled a million times and they somehow turn it into this digital representation that is so, so close. Yeah, I've, I've tried quite a bit of digital amps and, and different plugins and things like that in my studio and live and... Uh, STL is is the closest I've come to feeling like you're playing a real amp. It feels like there's air moving and it's pretty cool. So they took all my tones and everything that I love and wrapped it on one big plugin. And, you know, we went through an approval process for a couple months, making sure everything was perfect and then toss it out to the world. Yeah. I think my, my pack is way different than kind of everything else that they offer as well. You know, they're yeah. kind of more in, into the heavy world, more metal driven. There's a ton of incredible metal amps that they have and their tweed pack is insane. Like they have so many cool things. So I was trying to make sure that I got all my weird, unique, you know, kind of mid gain, a lot of clean, like just kind of options for people that already have a bunch of metal packs that want to get some rock tones, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you play live then, is it that you use something like a Kemper or you all valves and pedals and stuff like that? My rig changes all the time, uh, like the eternal tone journey should continue to evolve <laughs> over time. But currently, in the past few years, I've been using real amps, but I've been um, using the, the Line 6 Helix for my effects and for switching of my heads and switching of my amps. Uh, I've been, on, been using at least two heads for a while now, so... It gets a little complicated with the switching, but um, currently I'm running, or I'm going to be running when we get back to live, two Lynx X heads and then two Hotcat 30 heads. 
Right. All of those run into four different cabs. They're all being switched by the helix. It's just like a complicated, massive junk. But on my pedals, I, I pretty much use all digital pedals when we're playing live or digital effects rather. There are a couple of pedals that I uh, run into the Helix that I haven't been able to match with a digital sound. So, but yeah, I'm like mostly analog guy. Feel yeah. good about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wall of amps. We're going to have a ton of cabs moving forward. I'm getting, I think Bad Cat's making me 16 cabs. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, my guitar tech that's got to move that stuff around, but it's going to look awesome and sound insane are these all like cabs or some of them going to be like the that sort of like fake hollow ones that you have there or are these just genuine just all them cabs on stage because uh, that is heavy <laughs> starting with them building mostly real cabs and we're gonna slow into it yeah. don't freak out bad cat guys <laughs> they're gonna build me four to start and then we're gonna keep adding on we'll see i don't know the dummy cab thing doesn't bother me because it looks cool, but also how yeah. much cooler to just plug in 16 cabs. That's a wall of sound oh, coming wow. out. That's, that's, that's a motorhead gig, if anything. <laughs> yeah, well, I can get away with it. Probably not, but that's what I want to do. Yeah. So from the from just from an outside perspective, just like hearing the variation of tones just off the last album alone, like you go from like Cathedral Bell to Wow, I Hate This Song, and it's just like completely diverse tones, but... You would, you kind of think that'd be something that your rig would have to be somewhat complicated or else it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. And that's the fun too. You know, I'm the only guitar player in the band. So we kind of, we go above and beyond to make everything that I get to do live sound as cool as possible. Right. My front of house guy is a crazy person. So he's got, you know, I think there's like eight channels on my guitar. So between the different heads and the DIs and the, the effect signals and the different cabs and, running stuff in stereo it gets really complicated but i have the most insane the last three guitar techs that have worked with me are the craziest people that know everything so i just get to tell them this is what i want here's the sound i found the sound now make sure that i can you know program that into the pedal and hit that during the song so we have a bunch of amps a bunch of caps a bunch of effects of switcher you know every different song has its own patch on my pedal board so i can just switch around during that song but when everything's working good and my guys get it buttered up, it's like the easiest thing to play live and everything sounds really close. So, no, absolutely. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you find, do you find it quite daunting that with you being the only guitar player in the band, I know you've mentioned in previous conversations where the, uh, your guitar's cut out uh, when you've been yeah. in the middle of a set and stuff <laughs> like that. Is there yeah. something quite daunting in terms of live and in terms of songwriting where there's quite a daunting aspect to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that, that the use has always done really well is taking advantage of effects and filling space with the one guitar, right? And even, even you know, the simplicity of some of the guitar in our songs, right? It's like a power chord can fill a lot of space, especially yeah. when you're singing with the harmony and the drums and, and some strings going on and all that stuff. So uh, as far as daunting, I, I think I've, I've always been kind of an effects driven guitar player as it is, you know, yeah. I think I was highly influenced by the use growing up in my guitar journey. So um, it's been really fun. You know, I like to have like a cool 
uh, landscape of guitar. You know, I'm not a yeah. shredder type of dude. I'm not out here ripping metal really fast. I like. I, I, I can like, relate. <laughs> I like the clutter. You know what I mean? I like to take advantage of all the really cool tools I have and and fill the space so that Bert can sing the cool song. I think it creates opportunities to be a bit more sophisticated in terms of how you songwrite because you have a space to kind of mess around with you have where you can mess around with like a reverb effect or some sort of like wacky pedal or strings or something mad well yeah and you see the importance of of simplicity and you see the importance of like maybe if we do something a little less in this verse it's going to be more special and you'll be able to really hear what's going on so yeah um i think on this record in particular on heartwork guitar was you know i was trying to accent the vocals was the goal, right? Like it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of times where it was like, Ooh, let's do this riff and let's do this other harmony yeah. guitar. I got this, I got this guitar idea. It was like, all right, we have this song that we wrote now let's put guitar to it, which is much different than a lot of records I've done and how I've written in the past. So that was really cool learning experience for me as a songwriter and how I'm going to move forward writing songs too is, you know, the, the guitars are there to make sure that the vocals shine yeah. And especially when there's only one guitar in the band, it gives me a lot of freedom to do something special one time rather than writing a bunch of riffs and stacking it together. And like I do with everything else. Yeah. So speaking of the album, Heartwork, um, obviously you had four collaborations on there, four pretty big collaborations saying it that. And I think that's, that's one of the first times that's probably happened within uh, the used, like bringing out their albums. I know there's probably been a few collaborations here and there, but uh, four on one album. How did that come to be? Especially getting like two thirds of Blink One Eight Two on there as well. That must have been pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, when you work when you work with John Feldman and and you know, the used like that, we just kind of had access to these incredibly talented people that are in the same position that I'm in, right? Like kind of everyone in this, in this industry that's still out there and still working is like, loves the use as we all do, right? We kind of grew up together with it. So, um, you know, the Blink thing was crazy. John reached out and, and they were fans of the band and they wanted to come through. And, you know, Mark was there for a few days. Travis popped in here and there, you know, like not just once. He would come in from time to time. And it was just kind of like they're part of the family over at John's. So along with a million other talented people. It was every single day we would come there. Yeah. Some other talented person that we hadn't previously met would come in and hang out and we'd collaborate on something. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's how this record was, right? It's like you have the most talented people in the world that are just popping in every single day to hang out. They want to work with the band. They want to work with John. It's just kind of, it was good. It was just yeah. strong vibes the whole time we were making the record. But, uh, but yeah, and then Caleb, Caleb getting Caleb, he wasn't there when we were in the studio, but he, uh, I mean, he tracked his parts. We hit him up. was like, Hey, we want you to sing on this song. Here's the part. Um, you know, let us know if you want to do it and when you can get it back to us. We're like kind of in a hurry. And he wrote the part and recorded his vocals before he went on stage. He was on tour about to play a show. And like an hour before the set, he did all of his screaming that's on the record and then went on stage oh. and played it. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb's a crazy person. <laughs> but yeah, that was super insane having him. He he absolutely crushed it. It'll be fun if we can do that live and have him come out one of these days. That'd be sick. Yeah. 
Well, I so when you was writing it as well, like were these songs already pre-wrote, and then you brought say like Merck or Travis in or, or Jason, or, or was it like a collaboration? So when you got in the studio and you write with them, because when you listen to the songs that Travis and Merck are on, you can tell there's Travis and Merck are on them, and also with Caleb and Jason, like and I love that Jason track by the way. Oh, that, the breakdown yeah. towards the end is insane. So, so good. Yeah, he, yeah, his performance too, when he came into the studio to record his part, it was wild, dude. Like we know Jason, he was on, he was on a tour with us earlier in the year. And uh, Jason's like one of our favorite people in the world. So we asked him to come in. He drove up immediately, drove up to Calabasas. And, um, you know, he's just got, as we all know at this point, when Jason walks in the room, he's just got like a freaking positive vibe surrounding him, right? Yeah. He's just that guy. So he came in super stoked on the song. Like he was so hyped. Like, you guys, this is the greatest shit. You guys are going to be whatever, like being super positive, showed him the part. And, uh, and he came up with a really cool idea and went in into the, the booth and like, it was like, he was playing a show. I mean, he started like pitting by himself with the headphones <laughs> on and John's like beautiful studio with all these expensive mics everywhere. It's like, he's hitting stuff and like did his <laughs> I want to say we we maybe recorded two passes of the whole part, but yeah. I'm almost positive we used his first pass. Like, dude, what the hell was that? That was insane. Let's use that. So, yeah, and and Jason's always been kind of like part of our team. We love that freaking dude, and it was awesome to have it on it. And he's got to perform that song with us a couple times now. Yeah, and that shit's been crazy. So, yay. What was the other yeah. question? I forgot. I got all excited about Jason. I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll just uh, like asking. Obviously, were, were they like pre-roll before they came in, or did oh, you start oh, playing oh, before a bit when they came in? So um, with "Blow Me," we had, we had the bones pretty much done. That song was almost in the bag when we had Jason come in. But yeah. um, but like the lighthouse that we wrote with Mark, that's actually one of my favorite stories from the record because we had just finished. We had our lunch break. We were eating some food. Um, Mark had just showed up and I went into the control room and grabbed an acoustic guitar, was kind of waiting for everyone to finish eating lunch. And I just picked up the guitar and kind of started playing a riff and Feldy walked in and he was like, yo, that's cool. Let's record that real quick. So I jumped in and, and we just recorded this little acoustic riff and, uh, and then Mark walked in and Bert and everyone was like, oh, that's really cool. Mark has an idea. Let's see what it is and then it was just like jumped straight into the song and before the day was done you know long story long before the day was done the song was in the bag and it was like yeah. we were really really stoked on it and i think that's it's hard i keep going back and forth but i think that's currently my favorite song on the record just just because of yeah. the way that it came together and the way it was just like everyone was just firing off and paying attention all the time right I'm just sitting around messing with the guitar and John has the foresight to be like, Oh, that's cool. Maybe we could use that record it. Mark's like, I got an idea and it was, we're in it and it turned out to be a great song. So, uh, but yeah, we, that was essentially from scratch with Mark and then um, Travis, same thing. Travis came in when we were writing that song and we had um, our friend JP Clark was there helping us with that song as well. And, and all of us just kind of like, we're throwing shit at the wall till we came up with something really cool. And same thing by the end of the day, the song was pretty much done. So that's, what's crazy with crazy John too. Him. We would go in with nothing, you know, we would show up with our guitar or nothing. And it's like, okay, let's write a song, pick up an acoustic. And what do we got today? And by the end of the day, the song was pretty much finished. So 
I think that's the beauty of collaborating in general. I love the energy of different mindsets and creativity, just like blending so well. Yeah. I I mean, that was a big, I don't even know how to put it. It's such a mind blowing experience when you're like, Oh, we should get someone else's opinion in the room. You know, it's just always such a good thing to have another set of ears, another set of ideas to throw at the band so we can kind of take those ideas and say, Oh, I wouldn't have thought of it in that way. Let's here's now what the lyric can be, you know? So super fun. I love collaborating with people and you know, it's put me in a position where now I collaborate with other people as a songwriter and, and you know, so as anything with experience, it's like, okay, let's now I want to do that. Let's get into it. So no, absolutely. It's so just absolutely. jumping back a tiny bit where you mentioned, obviously, that you was a fan of the Used uh, before, obviously, you joined the band. Yeah. Um, just going back onto that then, having gone from being a guy in the front row to being on stage singing, yeah. <laughs> singing a cappella with Bert when your guitar cut out, singing Taste of Ink, is there a moment where you're kind of like, what the fuck? I mean, almost every day still, it doesn't go away. I mean, this is like, it's wild, you know, a lot of my, uh, a lot of my buds got into this, like right out of high school, everyone that was in my little core group of friends started touring. It was just weird. Like we kind of all jumped into different bands and it was one of our friends joined a band. Our buddy Phil joined as dying. And then we were like, wait a minute, you can be in a band. Like I want to do that. (laughs) So all of us just were like, what can we do? And we all work for our friends and, um, yeah, so, you know, I've been around it for a long time and, and I toured with the youth and I got to open for them. And like, I kind of had all my crazy, like this world is nuts stuff in, <laughs> yeah. in teen years. Right. But, but still getting to, you know, even when I went and auditioned with the band, I'd already toured with them before. So we kind of knew each other. And, um, but yeah, the first time I like played those songs with the band, it was a trip. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I listened to this song when I was in high school and yeah, I think probably the, the craziest moment for me thus far was uh, playing warp tour in San Diego. Cause it was like, that was where I was in high school watching yeah, the yeah. headline. And I have like vivid memories of being in the pit and watching the band, you know? So I think while I was on stage playing warp tour in San Diego, looking out, like my parents are there and stuff like that. It was, it was a trip. Like, yeah. This is wild how I'm here. And looking at the kid in the front row going like, I was literally <laughs> you, bro. Like, who knows, man? That's incredible. I love those sort of full, full circle stories, man. Like you hear that a lot. Like yeah. Days in the industry. It's super Crazy. wild, man. So, and all my friends that I was like at that show with now are, you know, somehow involved with the band or in another yeah. band and we're all still writing together and playing and Yeah. Never give up on your dreams, kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, going full circle on that then as well, this kind of nicely go, flows into what I was going to next mention then. So well, as someone who's worked on the merch table for, say, I when you was 18, to go in to playing on stage, you strike me as quite a humble person in the first place, but is there is something, an element of doing both sides of it, which you think's kind of like give you a better perspective when you've kind of gone to the opposite side of like actually playing uh, the stages? Maybe, maybe I got lucky with like my timeline of things and I was kind of able to mature from the bottom. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I honestly don't know. I think 
even to this day, I've always felt like so excited just to be in the room. Like I still have always (laughs) felt like, how did I get here? Why am I here? This is weird. You know? So I never, I don't think when I was, you know, when I was selling merch, I was never like, this sucks. I want to do something else. I was like, (laughs) you know what I mean? And then when I was guitar teching, it was like, wow, this is how cool I get to travel the world and work with these bands and fill in here and there. And I was always just, I've always just been like really grateful to be able to do this a little bit longer. So the fact that it kind of panned out and I've, you know, been doing this now for 15 years and, and still this is my only job trips me out every day. You know, it's, it's, but how did that happen? I don't know, work hard and be cool to people. You know, I've, I've, I have like a really stupid motto, but just be a dude and prosper. You know what I mean? I think if you're kind to everyone, then that shit will come back, right? Some of the people I was selling t-shirts next to when I was 18 now are A&Rs at record labels or managing bands or working at booking agencies. Like kind of all my peers from the bottom are running this industry now. So I'm glad that I wasn't a dick too much. (laughs) Able to keep those relationships and watch my friends, you know, thrive. And yeah, it's just a blessing. I'm, I'm stoked to be here every day. I get to do it. It's awesome, man. So, I know I'm going back to like co writing and stuff. Like, do you, um, are you co writing within different genres, obviously, as well as rock? And, and what's that like, obviously, getting out of that bubble that you're sort of in with the use and maybe going into doing a different genre? Yeah, I've always kind of been a, a, someone that bounces around. You know, I, there was a year of my life I was in Utah. I was writing pop country songs with some, some young artists. And uh, recently I've, I've done some songs with scary pool party. I'm really excited about that. And that's kind of like all electronic. That guy's the most insane musician ever. If you haven't gotten into him yet. Um, but yeah. And then like otherwise and doing some active rock stuff. And um, there's a arrested youth, one of my favorite young artists, like he's doing a really cool, kind of indie alternative thing and we're getting ready to work on some stuff together. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I do get a lot of rock stuff by proxy and I love it. I mean, I love being rock guy. I love being guitar guy, I like mm-hmm. riffs and loud drums, you know, but um, it's also really fun to, to do other stuff. Like this record, I just finished a band called Sweet Tooth. They're kind of like a throwback kind of psych alternative band, kind of in the like cage the elephant vein. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, we got to make like a very analog record. Everything is what was recorded with the mic. And, you know, we tried a million amps before we picked what we wanted to record. And uh, very different from making a rock song where it's like, let's get the DI sound and then we'll get a digital amp that sounds amazing and just get get there really quick. We took our time, you know, like a being preamps and mics for the vocals and shit that I normally just like, let's just get to the finish line, you know? So it was fun. It's worth mentioning that obviously you've mentioned that you you grew up in San Diego. Was it something, was like music something you was aware of from a young age that it was just a place filled with music or is it something that you kind of just kind of became aware of later? I I mean, I I guess I got into music pretty young, but not, not rock music and not what I ended up kind of diving into. I played... I played the clarinet in elementary school. I did that for years. That was like my thing. I'm like Reed guy. <clears throat> did that until, um, you know, I think sixth grade is when I got a guitar. And a friend of mine, Kellen Aisbrook, who's still a musician, he's in a band called Fruition, and they're so sick from Portland. But my buddy Kellen played guitar 
<clears throat> and he showed me how to play some stuff. You know, I had, my brother had an acoustic guitar that he wouldn't let me touch, but he would go to sleep and I would go grab it out of the closet, put it on my lap and try to figure some shit out. And then I'd go to Kellen at school and be like, yo, what is this? He's like, it's all wrong. But um, I mean, and, and that even more full circle moments, kind of one of the first songs that I ever learned on guitar was uh, Adam's song. I think I was in yes, like six or seven. Right. Yes. I was like, kind of figured it out. And my buddy Kellen showed me how to play Adam's song. And then, you know, in the blink of an eye, I'm writing a song with Mark and Travis. So it's kind of crazy. But, but yeah, man, I, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I got, I got into it early, but it was, it wasn't until my later years that I got introduced to like the influential rock and roll that would turn me into like, all right, I'm a music guy. You know, I played sports all through high school. I played baseball and football and I thought I was going to go play, you know, football in at a college or something like that. Um, but I was, I joined a band when I was 17. I was still in high school. I joined a band called thieves and liars, like a classic rock throwback, zeppelin floyd kind of thing um with these two dudes that are way more talented than i was and it just like kind of brought me into a place that i didn't know existed you know playing with yeah. really really talented dudes and once we started playing shows we signed a really small record deal and i was like i'm out i'm not going to college i'm out to to <laughs> I'm a band guy now you know so we signed a deal and then in between doing stuff with that band is when i was selling t-shirts for sales in and then it was just like I, then I just didn't stop. You know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the plan was to do this forever. I think it was just like, I'm 18, let's go. And, and, it and, and now I don't know what the hell else I would do if I wasn't doing this. So. No, absolutely. <clears throat> well, it was, it's worth kind of mentioning that from an outside perspective, again, it comes across that you somewhat are a firm believer in just grabbing opportunities when they're available. Would you say that's right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I not only would say yes to kind of everything, but I also, I've always been one to like weasel my way into something. So right. like, you know, a good example of kind of how I've lived my life and, and maybe gotten to where I've gotten is um, I was guitar teching for a Treyu and there was another band uh, who a friend of mine, Dan was teching for. And he was just backstage setting up and I'm walking back to go to my bus. And I just overhear someone say, yeah, we need to find a bass player. Yada, yada. And I just turned around and I was like, yo dog, I'll play bass. What do you need? And he's like, Oh, we're doing um, a reunion tour for uh, a static lullaby. Would you want to play bass? I'm like, sure. Yeah. He's like, cool. I'll send you the songs. And they just went about my day. And, and a couple months later, like we were on tour together and we did this cool reunion tour and got to do that, you know? So just kind of, yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good example of things that I've done over the years. So like, hey, if you need a guy, I'm available. I'm just saying. <laughs> and try to show up and not not mess up. So that's the yeah. main thing. I think like we've we found oh, yeah. that ourselves, me and Matt, like like being in a band is like networking is like a very a very important thing. Just getting to know different people and you know, like I said, putting your word in, making making sure that they know you're there as well. But you know what I mean? That's that's always it's always a good thing. Yeah. Just being, just being present and, and useful and awesome to everyone, I think is the key. That's, if I was to give advice to anyone, you know, talent is a prerequisite, right? Like you have to, you have to show up and be like pretty good at what you do. But past that, you have to be someone that people 
hopefully want to be around yeah because there's a lot of 24 7 hangs so if you can be cool and show up and work and and pull your weight and appreciate where you're at then the world is your oyster yeah man. Exactly. Is, is, there, is there anyone you'd uh you want to work with is there any like any any people you you, know, you, you looked up to or up to now that you'd be like fuck i'd love to do a car right with you or get you on the album or something there's i i mean everyone like all of these <laughs> up and coming artists that are that are younger you know it's weird that i'm getting old now i still feel like i'm the young artist coming up but <laughs> i am not so uh i mean there's a lot of these artists coming out that that i would be stoked to get to write a song with be, be it for the band be it for their album whatever but um you know i think oh, it's so tough to answer that question i don't know anyone and everyone to be honest <laughs> like i have this thing where if, if someone's talented and ready to work and we can get in a room together i'm confident that we're going to write something really cool and and uh i don't know I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Everyone. I, well, I'm trying to think. I'm like, man, I've got to work with a lot of people that are yeah. insane and super cool that I never thought I would get a chance to work with. So, you know, yeah, you name anyone and I would be pumped to get a chance. <laughs> have, you, have you started writing the, a new album then yet with uh, with The Used? Are you just waiting to get out and tour? No, we're waiting to get out for this yeah. record. You know, we're always kind of, we're always popping ideas around and, you know, just having fun and, and, uh, you know, everyone kind of has a little recording rig at home right now. So we're kind of passing ideas around as we always do. But, um, but no, I think we're, we're really excited to, uh, to get to see this album, see some love and get to play these songs. And, but who knows? I mean, I think we, we should be able to get together here this year at some point and who knows what happens. (laughs) What's it, what's it like <laughs> over there? Because I know it, it, over in the UK, it seems like a very long time off before we're going to get to go to any shows anymore. But I know obviously different countries have actually started bringing shows back. Was it like where, where you were? Well, there's different regions of the country that are, you know, drastically different, right? It's pretty much, yeah. there's a few different countries in our country, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's places in the South and the Midwest that are that are open now that are having shows and and you know their their cases are really low and their vaccination rates are really high. So um, I think everyone's feeling optimistic to, for us to be able to do domestic touring at some point this year. Um, but who knows? I mean, we're we're trying to everyone's trying to be safe and responsible. And uh, but I think we're close. I think the optimism is is progressively outweighing you know every <laughs> all the bad things so uh and and with the vaccines rolling out the way they are you know like i know a lot of people that have already been vaccinated and yeah. and um so i'm i'm remaining optimistic i'm super excited to hopefully get to to do some of the things we've been talking about doing so looking forward to it. looking forward to you guys coming back over here as well and uh getting that chance man I know there's lots of chatter about different things. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll hit the ground running when the time comes. So obviously we've got two segments um, that we usually have. I'm pretty sure Matt's made you aware of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so just, yeah, just to, just to give it you in advance, because sometimes we accidentally put people on the spot with it. And like, what? Um, but yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite scary movie? Well, so I was thinking about this and, so I, 
we haven't been huge into scary movies in the last like decade. My wife is such a sissy. Like she's just out. <laughs> if the preview is scary, she's like, nah, not with me, you know? So, um, but I was thinking about the last, like my type of scary movie that I really loved, um, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Have you seen this stupid movie? Yeah. I love this movie. <laughs> it's just the dumbest movie, but that's the kind of scary movie that I get behind. You know, this these group of campers come out and their perception of these two hillbilly dudes is that they're murderers, but they're just these sweet guys trying to help them and they keep killing themselves. It's just a really interesting <laughs> type of movie. I was cracking up the whole time. It was well written, but uh but aside from that, so I can say my daughter who is 3 years old she loves creepy stuff. Like her favorite movies right now, I know, it's kind of awesome. Her <laughs> yeah. favorite movies right now are Corpse Bride. She's okay. been huge nice. on that before Christmas. She loves Coraline. Um, what's the other creepy one? Uh, Night- oh, Nightmare Before Christmas Frank and all that. Yeah, she likes that. Nightmare Before Christmas is like top shelf for her. But yeah, but yeah <laughs> I had a, a band over here the other day and we're hanging just outside the studio and my daughter peeked her head out of our house. She was like, hey, guys. They're like, hey, Edie, what are you doing? She's like, I'm just watching Corpse Bride. (laughs) (laughs) Cartoon, it's cool. But, yeah, we like creepy things. But scary stuff, I I don't get the luxury of enjoying anymore. So was there something that you, as a go-to scary film before the past decade was there like a cult classic or like a classic horror or I got we were into zombie movies for a while one of the bands I toured with were like zombie dorks and they got really into that and and like gore I wish I could remember some of these movies like some of these classics from from the 70s and 80s that were just like the goriest shit ever I can't remember any of the names but <laughs> in my head they're super cool and I loved them back in the day but I mean I loved Man, I loved like The Ring. I thought that was hot fire when that came out. That scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Now it's funny, but I'm old. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, what else did I love? Uh, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was hot when that came out. Again, comical now. Yeah, dude. I don't know. We watch creepy stuff for sure. Yeah. It's scary stuff. The wife's out, dude. Yeah. That's uh, that's it. Like when you when you look back at like old films like like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and that like back in the seventies that would have been pretty like fucking freaky like just seeing that and then like Halloween and just seeing this guy stalking people. Well, that like said yeah, when you watch it now it's like it's not as scary. Like you said, you can find it comical in ways, especially Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Nostalgic. You know what yeah. I did like the new the new It series is those those two films were awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. Like those. And that too, I'm like, babe, you gotta watch it. You'll love it. It's not even that scary. You'll really like it. She's like, I absolutely am not ever. (laughs) (laughs) I bullied my missus into uh, going watching them in the cinemas, and she's not dropped it since. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. It's not even that bad. It's been fine. Come on. And then you know, you know when there's about to be a jump scare, and you're going. Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> it comes out was like, yeah, that's awesome. I hate you. <laughs> I feel like it, it for me was like a sort of like like a passing thing. Whereas when I was like seven years old, that was one of the first horrors I saw. So that was a good little way of introducing me to horror without it being too like 
too full on. I know the, the new one's a bit more gory, but the Tim Curry one was not that bad. So, yeah. You never I know. can't believe you, you watched that at seven. I found yeah. that mental. Yeah. I'm going to say, you never know. Your daughter might be waving out the window next saying, just watching it, just watching it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, it's seven years old. Yeah, sitting there eating a jam sandwich, watching uh, watching it, it. Yeah. It's probably a bit messed up, yeah, isn't it, really? So, obviously, aside from scary movies, then that's predominantly what you watch more. What would you say is like you go to like top three films then out of interest? Ooh, top three films. I would say number one would be uh, Fifth Element. Kind of cool. Undoubtedly, we could watch that at any time and be stoked. Um, Ooh, top three. Oh, shit. Uh, (laughs) Recently, not just recently, but something that I feel like we watch a lot. <clears throat> uh, Warm Bodies. Love that movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. The Winner with the Wife. I like that movie. So those two we watch a lot. Let's see. So you can dip yourself into like comedy horrors like that's an okay zone. It's like Shaun of the Dead sort of things. Oh, yeah. It's all good. See, yeah. I'm, I'm about that. Yeah. There's like yes. a fine line. It's so funny. I'm making my wife out to be this like grumpy Gus. <laughs> but there's a there's this fine line between like my type of comedy that I love, which is just like dumb, stupid stuff, and something that she's like, okay, we can watch that. I'm into it. But um, but yeah, like Shaun of the Dead, I love that. I love anything that he does. <clears throat> Third favorite movie? Oh my god. Um. <laughs> I'm just going to spot it. Probably not top three, but <laughs> when I was in high school, I would skip my six period class almost every other day and go to my buddy's house and we would watch Dude, Where's My Car? Yes. Like a hundred times. I don't know. So we'll, we'll say that for now. <laughs> and then. <laughs> and no heaven. Yeah. It's so dumb. It totally doesn't hold up, but I loved it. So it's nostalgic. Incredible. All right, so second reoccurring segment we have is what is your pet peeve? So the rules is that you literally pick a topic that pisses you off the most. It could be the smallest thing going, and we discuss it from the... Um, pet peeve? Oh, man. It can be as petty as you want. Like We've had all sorts. Like As petty as you want, Everything. go for it, because little things piss people off the most, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I feel like such a broad, uh, the thing that's coming to mind, and it's such a broad stroke, but lack of follow through. Like if someone says they're going to do something and they just don't do that. In fact, more detailed than lack of follow through, lack of not doing something the moment you say it's going to be done. Like I think that's, that's something that I'm like obsessive about. Like I manage, uh, I manage four artists right now. And the thing that I feel like gets work done the quickest is when there's a task at hand, let's do it now, you know, someone to reach out to pick up the damn phone and call the person. Like some of my, some of my guys, some of my closest friends uh, that I work with, I like, it's like pulling teeth to get them to send an email or make a call. (laughs) Listen, bitch, just do it now. It'll be over with and we'll be freaking stoked. (laughs) They're not bitches. They're my boys. But, uh, yeah, so I guess that lack of not doing something in the moment, get it done. The time is now. 
Do you know what? I don't think we've had that yet. No, it's a new one. It would be something that you'd expect to be there, and it's actually not. Yeah, I I mean, I am totally the person where if we're having a conversation right now and it's like, oh, it would be cool to reach out to that person or do this thing, I'll be like, cool. And the second we're done, I will pick up my phone and I'm going to do it right now. Or else I'll forget and it won't happen and whatever. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So... But if you mentioned obviously that you you manage bands as well, do you find yourself like juggling different mindsets, or do you, do you think it all just comes into one? No, uh, dishing the advice out. Yeah, I mean it's it's each band has their unique needs and and their unique like niche in the music world and a different label that they work with and a different booking agent and it's definitely you know I have to put on like that band's hat when I'm in that moment and really focus on that and forget about all the other stuff. But, um, but no, it, I, it's kind of all the same stuff. It's just making through the, that everyone's following through and everyone's kind of like continuing to run, run a business. When you're in a band, you don't ever talk about that junk. You know, you want to be an artist and you want to write your songs and you want to make an impact and, and do that. But sometimes you have a manager that's like, Hey, by the way, you need to make sure that you're engaging a little bit more on, on the socials and Hey, we have to do some, some photos for this. And Hey, you have to do an interview and call this guy and whatever. It's just, it's mostly just making sure that everyone is kind of like staying, keeping the ball rolling so that everyone on the team can, can, uh, you know, promote the song and help the band get bigger. Yeah. But it's also dealing with personalities and guys that are dealing with crazy stuff and being asked to do things that are, unreasonable for normal people so yeah. <laughs> but, but i i really enjoy managing bands i all of my artists are like the most insanely talented proactive people and and really good bands that i like so it's it's not a chore at all have you ever come across like any tour riders or anything where you've been like oh come on guys <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what most of my guys are like they're like humble dudes i think i don't necessarily have what it would take to work with guys that, that are a little bit bigger personalities than yeah. I yeah. want to deal with. Right. Like the guys I'm, I'm working with are just stoked and hungry and trying to make their mark in this industry. So, so not yet, but gonna take some liberties and that's all right. We'll figure it out. I remember hearing once like there was an Elton John player show near where we was in the, um, I don't know if it was true or not, but we heard that apparently he wanted a red carpet rolled out for him in for, over this grass because he didn't want to walk on the grass Shit. and get his, get his boots dirty. I was like, fuck. <laughs> you know you've made it when you get to that point when somebody's rolling yeah, the carpet great. out for you. You got to have a red carpet budget built in there. <laughs> worth it that's great you imagine that on the invoice though for like the tour and it just says red carpet item one X amount. Yeah, 1400. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, no, I've seen crazy stuff. I mean, bands get, you know, loads and loads and loads of booze and food and, and you know, all sorts of stuff. I've actually been, I was just telling my wife this earlier, this is like the ultimate vibe. I've seen bands put like, you know, give me a pack of underwear and socks and like stuff like that. They'll put on the rider. <laughs> it's such a power move. <laughs> like so you show up to a city and you got fresh everything. It's a pretty good move, but. Yeah, nothing too crazy yet. That's pretty practical when you think yeah. about it. Yeah, that's usually wow. initiative. Yeah, man. <laughs> I know. I'm born in a van and doing stuff like that. You don't have access to certain things. It's like let's uh, once a week. Let's get some fresh stuff on the rider. It's coming out of the budget anyway. 
Exactly. Smart move. So just to wrap things up then, because obviously we know you're a bit conscious of time. Have you got anything coming up uh, that you want to mention? I have everything coming up, man. (laughs) It has been so insane. I have a bunch of incredible artists coming in. We're going to be doing a bunch more records. Um, Yeah, man, we're, we're booked up in here into the middle of summer at this point. And um, it's crazy. I'm excited for, for the next year as, music starts trickling out that we've been able to do in here and uh but yeah i mean i don't even know what i can talk about yet we do have uh there's a band called the undertaking and uh that i help manage as well as i produce their album and they there's two singles out right now on solid state records their record's going to be out here in the next month so that's really cool look out for that super proud of their album it's they're really heavy really really good music genuine dudes so um yeah, check that out. Sweet. Otherwise awesome. than that, Joe Bradford, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. It is an honor being a fan of the band, a fan of the band overall. But yeah, thank you for taking time, man. Thanks a lot. Of course. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Mad respect. That was episode 51 of an AFL podcast with Joey Bradford from The Used. I can't, I can't get over that. We just had a casual conversation. It, it <laughs> is weird. Band that we fucking listened to in high school. Well, I say, like, I remember hearing The Taste of Ink for the first time when yes. you showed him in and then we just got obsessed from there. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's another full circle moment for ourselves, which is pretty cool. I blame Ashley. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, don't forget to uh, check out the latest album that they released. Um, it's it's a fucking awesome album. It's got some cool collabs on there that you'll love. Um, don't forget to check out Joey's recent projects with uh, different bands that he's been doing. So probably keep up to date with him on his Instagram page. And uh, yeah, again, get to our socials. Keep up to date with everything. We've got new stuff coming out all the time. YouTube, we've got new stuff on there. And uh, Silver Screen on scene as well with uh, a good friend, Ryan. Yes. So if you haven't already, if you go on to our Instagram, for example, there is a lovely link tree with all the links you could ever need. That includes our Discord, our YouTube, whatever else, if you want to find other episodes, all other 50 fucking episodes of an airful podcast plus the bonus episode plus horror fest from last year which i'm dreading is doing again uh, <laughs> and now it was later <laughs> god don't uh, <laughs> there's also um the now brand new silver screen unseen episode one is out now covering parasite uh with charlie from as everything unfolds it is awesome a hundred percent check it out uh like we said uh, lovely Matt Pearson will be back soon with his new show which we will be giving more details about in the future Hardcore Project will be back soon so keep your eyes peeled for that but otherwise than that we will see you in the next episode see you later see you later